0: Welcome to the Resist By Podcast, hosted by me, Melanie Dion. Join me this week and every week as I chat with the advocates and activists in your neighborhood at the intersection where policy meets people. Now, let's start the show. Hello, hello. And once again, it is time for the Resist By Podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Dion. I hope that Wherever you are, whenever you are, whether it's morning, noon, or night, you are taking care of yourself. We are dealing with an onslaught of state legislatures that have been working over time on anti-trans legislation. Right now, there are approximately 440 active pieces of anti-trans legislation floating around in the ether. That makes it almost impossible to keep up. The other day I was watching a hearing in Georgia, and right after that, there was a janky hearing in Kentucky. This is nonstop. And even though it's almost impossible to keep up, our guest this week is an independent journalist who just routinely gives of herself to make sure that not only she's keeping up, but she's helping us stay up to date on things as well. She's an independent journalist. Her name is Erin Reed. Let's cut to the chase and listen to what Erin has to say. And it's my pleasure to introduce our guest this week, Erin
1: Reed. Hi, Erin. Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining. Huge fan. (laughs) I mean, I hate to use the word fan, but, or huge admirer, let's let's say it like that. I feel like fan maybe reduces it a little bit. Can you, first of all, introduce yourself to our audience and talk a little bit about
1: what you do? Of course, Uh, my name is Erin Reed. I am an independent reporter and activist tracking LGBTQ legislation, in particular trans legislation that moves around the United States and even around the world. Um, I have done things such as making a a map of informed consent medical clinics for transgender youth uh, and for transgender adults uh, so that they can seek gender affirming care. I also um, track all the hearings. I write about them in my newsletter, Erin in the Morning on Substack, as well as report on them on TikTok and on Twitter in a variety of formats so that people can understand what legislation is moving through their own home states and what good testimony against this legislation looks like and what good activism looks like.
0: I appreciate that. I am a subscriber to your newsletter and you are tireless. I feel like that's the, um, maybe not tireless, you are relentless in chasing down all these laws because we're at a time right now where there is, where it's, it's twofold. We have to deal with the national conversation, of course, but there's also this state-by-state conversation that can be overwhelming. So with you being one person who can only occupy one state, let's start first in with how you got here. Because I know when we, when we exist in certain, you know, points of the margins, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Black woman, you're a trans woman, it, it's almost incumbent upon us that we become some sort, there's there's advocacy, there's activism just in our existence, just in in getting the basics. So can you talk about how you took that to the next step? Because this is there's there's a the basic advocacy that we have to do for ourselves, and there's what you're doing. Can you talk about how you got
1: into that? Absolutely. And I'm actually really glad that you started with that because it does kind of map onto my own experiences. You see. Early in my transition, finding a gender-affirming care clinic was difficult. Four years ago, there were no maps around informed consent clinics and how to access hormone therapy. And knowing that such clinics existed made it easier for me to transition whenever I was able to find the one that was local to me. And so I realized that this resource could help other people. So I created this map And it it blew up. I started getting people to message me about like, there's this clinic right here. Um, This clinic is closed down. You can add this note to this clinic. You you might wanna be careful going to this clinic because the doctor there is a little bit gatekeepy. So you might wanna write a note letting trans people know that. And so I, I did that. And as a result, it's been used like four and a half million times and I get messages every single day from trans people that tell me that they were really glad to have that resource because it helped them transition. The the reason I wanna tie that into what you had just said is because there there was nobody doing this. Like there was nobody mapping this out. A lot of times people on the margins are, are forced to navigate systems that were not designed for them in ways that can be very confusing and complex, making it difficult to navigate. And it was in doing that, that I started gaining people that would follow me for these changes in clinics and people started letting me know the laws that were targeting those clinics, the legislation that was moving through legislatures. And so I very naturally pivoted from not just tracking the clinics, but also tracking the laws that target the community. Ever since then, um, I, I've noted that you know people, no, no major news reporters, no no major news stations report on all of these laws. They haven't for the last three three or four years. Only recently are we starting to see it even somewhat tinily penetrate the mainstream attention span. So knowing that I am a trans person who who cares about these things very personally, I took it upon myself to start reporting on it, you know, on Twitter originally, but then on TikTok to reach a younger audience of people who are not getting this information whatsoever. And and then eventually writing my own newsletter. You know, I started uh, my newsletter, Erin in the Morning, specifically because I wanted to be able to get all of the information that I had out there to my audience in a more long form fashion where they can then rely upon it to make decisions and to learn what the landscape is looking like. And it's been, you know, it's, it's been a a wild ride. I've been involved in a lot of very big things and I'm happy to be able to make this like the the central organizing feature of my work and to be able to dedicate my full-time attention on this. Um, You know, I, I, I don't think that, that anybody should be forced, you know, any any marginalized person should be forced to become an advocate or an activist. But I, I know that from, from my own personal life, from, from my own personal well-being, it was important to me because I saw what kind of a difference letting this information out there makes in the community.
0: When you're doing this work, how do you push past the um, people who, I'll put it in quotes, want to learn, but the the conversation almost comes to justifying existence, justifying, well, you have this, why do you want this as well? How do you push past that and make sure that you get the message that you know is more important out? Because I think pushing past that noise is an important part of this. So do you have any any tips for how you how
1: you do that? Of course. So the one compliment that I seem to receive a lot and I think I'm realizing now that it really ties into this is that the information that I put out there is extremely digestible and I do try to make it that way. And the reason why I say this in answer to this question is because a lot of times the people that are saying those kinds of things are just they're they're missing some of the basic puzzle pieces. They're missing some of like the building blocks that are required to to fully understand and comprehend and grasp some of the issues that even Us trans people can find hard to grasp and fully comprehend because we're living it, and we've still gone through the same upbringing where trans people and transgender issues were not, you know, um, given any sort of coverage. And so, what I do in even my most complex reporting, even delving into the deepest bills, even talking about, you know, theory and stuff like that, is I always, always, always. Realize that the people that I want to reach the most are those people. The people that I want to to speak to are the ones that perhaps are missing a few of the puzzle pieces, but could be brought to understand some things. And so I will always include in my newsletters, in my Twitter threads. Like I'm not going to assume that people know things. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the basics every time. Uh, you'll note if I ever t- talk about a medical ban, uh, I'll talk about you know the suicide rate of transgender people and the way that gender affirming care reduces it. Even though I know that most people that are involved in this work know that already because we've lived it and we've seen it. I want to make sure that, you know, if you're just stumbling upon my article for the first time, or if you're stumbling upon my tweet thread for the first time, you're not going to feel like you're wandering into some, into the middle of something that's confusing and that you have no perspective of. And so I try to, I try to always do that.
0: You said something that stuck with me in one of your interviews. You may have said it more than once, but you talked about the heightening of gates and the narrowing of doorways. In this time where the conversation is more in the mainstream, not so much the, the, the actual being, but the conversation, because it's become a, um, an issue where everyone has to put in their two cents. When you deal with actually living this. Can you talk a bit about, you talk about the heightening of gates and the narrowing of doorways as a reality? Absolutely. Can you talk about what that, what that actually means and what that looks like for the day-to-day person who's just trying to live?
1: Absolutely. And I can actually drop on my personal life on this. Um, 25 years ago for me, I'm going to date myself, I first realized that I was trans and I was nine or 10 years old. It was impossible to transition to rural Louisiana as a nine or 10 year old in the late 1990s. But I did know who I was. And and I, I found that out through, you know, my own introspection as a kid, like I, knowing who I was inside. And then eventually finding whenever I became a teenager, uh, 12, 13, 14 years old, finding community online and in very early days of like dial up internet. I remember speaking to other trans people way back then, and the regime of, of gender-affirming care in the late 90s, the early 2000s, was extremely gate-kept. So we want to talk about the heightening of, of these gates and the narrowing of doorways. They were so narrow back then. You would have to present yourself for two years before you would allow be allowed gender-affirming care, and so often, like, you know, you couldn't start hormone therapy until you've Presented as, in my case, a woman for two years, and that 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 made it extremely difficult for people, especially people that didn't have, you know, any sort of that whose features were were remarkable and who would have difficulty existing as a woman in society back then without gender affirming care. You know, realizing that like these these the gatekeepers back then they would stop you if you were transmasculine, they would stop you if you were non-binary, they would stop you if your sexual attraction wasn't the wasn't towards the people that they thought it was. Uh, reasonable to be sexually attracted to. So for instance, if you're a transgender woman and you loved other women, they would stop you from transition back then. And over time, that lessened. But what we're seeing now is this attempt to bring things back there and even further. And we're seeing these attempts to, to essentially make transition an impossible thing. We're seeing an attempt to bring back Old anti drag laws that were in effect in the nineteen seventies, you know, the in the nineteen sixties, the, the things that brought us pride, the things that brought us Stonewall, are coming back in a lot of this legislation. And so, you know, I think that they are trying to narrow these doorways, and I think that they're trying to slam the door and lock it. And I, I do think that that's the ultimate goal, and that's what I've seen. And it's 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 blatant.
0: I mean, we we just had the the statement the other day where. Uh, gentlemen, I'm not going to be nice. I, I, I won't say the word that I want to say, but the person <laughs> who who talked about eradicating transgenderism, and then what comes, what 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 follows it is the sort of explaining. Oh no, well he didn't mean that. It didn't. It doesn't matter. You know what the message is going to be. The going back to when, when you talk about pushing us back to the '60s the '70s, it almost feels as though it's the point. The studies are there. Gender-affirming care, especially when we're talking about young children. I mean, you said you were 9 or 10. This is crucial to the development. This contributes to a reduction of depression, a reduction of of suicide. The frustrating thing from my standpoint seems to be that's what angers the people on the opposite side of this, that there is no longer shame in being being transgender. There is no longer shame in being queer. So we got to stomp that out.
1: I agree. And, and I think that, you know, this legislation is not coming because people hate us. This legislation is actually coming because they're upset that people love us and that we are more able to be ourselves and free. And so that, that perfectly maps onto everything that I've seen. And, and, you know, I, I saw Michael Null's speech about eradication and, A lot of us have been sounding this alarm for a long time that this is the, that this was the end goal. And it's hard, you know, it's hard as a transgender person to speak about things like eradication and like the attempts to eliminate transgender people without sounding unhinged. But then we see it, we know it, and then we finally have them say it. And it felt like a, Honestly, for me, it was cathartic to hear them actually say it because we've been calling it out so often and and a lot of times we get ignored for calling it out. And whenever it's finally said on stage, it's like, I told you. Mm -hmm.
0: Cathartic and also frustrating because you heard it and people will still tell you that you didn't hear. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that is frustrating. (laughs) I appreciate you being here and I absolutely would love to have you back. But until then, can you talk about how folks can support you, where they can follow you, where they can find you? Because independent journalists are so important. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, so Erin in the Morning on Substack, you can just Google Erin in the Morning and it'll probably take you directly to my page. I track anti-trans legislation and and talk about all these issues in depth. But I also understand that people have their own platforms that they depend upon information for. And I've tried to get this information out on all of the platforms that I'm active on. So if you search Erin in the Morning on Twitter, TikTok, or on on Instagram, I get all of my information in digestible formats on those mediums as well. I try to make sure that you have up-to-date information on the ways in which um, transgender people are being targeted and even protected in some states. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for your time, Erin. We're going to have you back. This fight is not over. I am honored (laughs) that you came here today to share with us, and I look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thanks again, Erin, for being a strong and knowledgeable voice in this fight for human rights and equity. One of the reasons Erin's voice is so important is, besides the fact that she knows her stuff, is that the voices that are reporting on anti-trans legislation and its impact, they're mostly done by people who are not trans. So however well-meaning we might be, we are lacking some of the crucial reference points, the nuance needed to really add true depth to the discussion. And it just, it should go without saying that on matters of trans issues, the voices that are leading the conversation should be trans. We cannot keep letting the loudest voices with all the airtime continue to be the most ignorant voices. So the next time you see something transphobic on social media and you want to react to it, do me a favor before you dunk. And I know it feels Wonderful to dunk on bigots. It is so immediately gratifying. Before you do that and give someone who purchased a blue check a bit bigger audience than they deserve, find Aaron or another trans journalist or advocate. Amplify them, amplify mutual aid. We know what the bigots are saying, but engage the people who are acting in good faith and speaking with knowledge and a desire to have a decent society. I'm not saying you have to pretend like it's not happening. I'm not saying you have to live in a bubble. But we don't have to play their game on their little nasty, muddy ground either. Because their job isn't logic. All they have to do is frustrate and distract and overwhelm. Because despite what conservative media wants you to think, we're only talking about 1.4% of the 13 to 17-year-old population and about 0.5% of the adult population that are trans. So in a country of over 300 million, we're actually talking about roughly 1.6 million trans people in the U.S. Bigots need to be challenged, right? But let's challenge them in meaningful ways. We don't have to get into these little flame wars that really unintentionally spread anti-trans messaging, anti-trans bias, Just because it makes us feel like a good person. Let's find ways to meaningfully do good. In addition to some of the other ways I mentioned, you can sign one of these three petitions. We actually have three active petitions right now. The first one is a national petition. You can text PFJRNH to petition Congress. It's Congress must urgently protect transition care. Second, PLC. This one is for residents of Missouri. Support gender-affirming care in Missouri. And this petition talks about SB 49, SB 164, SB 236, the so-called SAFE Act, and any similar legislation. And then we have Texas because we always have Texas. P-O-S-J-A-C. Vote no on SB 1029, and this is one banning insurance coverage. That's the intention of SB 1029, and I think that POS is a really important (laughs) first three letters for how I feel about this legislation. So POSJAC, this is for residents of Texas. And keeping on the topic of doing good, another good thing that you can do is become a monthly donor. We just celebrated our sixth anniversary and it's been an absolute privilege to serve you. It's been an absolute privilege to watch people be engaged and not just silently take the awful things that people are trying to do sitting down. But this is all made possible. Petitions, all of it. This is made possible by monthly membership. Things as something as simple as making this podcast available to provide you with Just a full toolbox for civic engagement campaigns, voter drives, and building a community that knows the issues that matter to you and can join you in whether it's raising awareness or pushing for the change you need. So if you want to become a monthly member, text DONATE to 50409 and follow the prompts. It is as simple as that. Also, if you sign these petitions already, you can still promote them. Just text promote in any of the call signs to 50409 and that can help get the ball rolling. So it's not necessarily people in your immediate network, but people who are bot users who want to receive messaging, who would be interested in making sure that legislation like this is stopped, or at the very least, their legislators know how they feel about it. I want to thank you all again. I want to thank Erin. I absolutely encourage everyone to follow Aaron's Substack subscribe to Erin Substack it's aaronannamorn.substack.com she is on it and i don't want to use the word tirelessly because i know this work has to be very tiring so let's give Aaron the support she needs and let's make sure that we are supporting independent faithful journalists i want to also thank you for joining me this week for the resist Bot podcast We will be back next week with Michelle Ehrenberg from one of my favorite organizations, Lyft, Louisiana. Thanks again for joining, and I will see you next time. The ResistBot Podcast is a production of ResistBot Action Fund, a social welfare nonprofit organization. ResistBot is funded by monthly donors like you. Support ResistBot by texting DONATE to 50409. You can learn more and see a complete guide to using the service, a real-time list of trending petitions, learn how to organize your own pressure campaigns, or launch your own voter pledge drives at www.resist.bot. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll see you next week.